Avast, ye and welcome to the Gay Pirate Podcast, where two queer IRL pirates talk about Our Flag Means Death one episode at a time. I am Lark Malachi Gray, and this is a Join Me or Die situation. And I'm Jesse Blount. Champers? Today we are talking about episode three of season two of Our Flag Means Death, The Innkeeper, in which our two fractured crews reunite while Ed battles himself in purgatory, I mean, the gravy basket. Yeah. Um, a couple of things before we get started. One, we have new gay pirate merch. It's a little cartoon version of the revenge with the sale that says be gay, do crime. It's great. I actually haven't put it in the shop yet, but I'm planning to put it on <laughs> beach towels and mugs because that's fun to me. Woo, that beach sounds towels! Fun. <laughs> Can't wait to be at the beach this summer. Looking just with a ex- little pirate ship towel. Oh Can you imagine? Looking just extra gay. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, other news. I am currently offering custom portraits of people or, and or their pets as a way to raise some money to offset my dog Rufio's very expensive vet bills. The portraits are super cute. You can get them through our shop or by joining our Patreon for a year up front. Information in the show notes as always. And when you join our Patreon, all the episodes are longer. They come out early. Also, there's a bunch of other really cool stuff on there. And our patrons are the whole reason that we are able to make this podcast. So thank you to everyone already supporting us. Yeah. And, you know, you could also support us by leaving us a five-star written review on Apple iTunes. That helps it helps people find out that we're a really cool podcast and we read every one of them. And it's just, it's an easy way for you to tell us how much you love the show. And I do actually want to start really quickly by talking about people's responses to this season of this podcast. At least not that I've seen so far on Apple, but on Spotify. Spotify has this little prompt that's like, what do you think of this episode? And we have had some people who are like, if you hate this, why are you talking about it? Um, which is a legitimate question, and I think we should answer it. And the answer is because we were asked to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Other people want to hear us talk about it, and we didn't... There are some things, some upsides to this season, and uh, we like gay pirates, so we're, we're talking about it. Yeah. We, you know, for folks who aren't on Patreon, we did a, like initial reactions uh like written thing for all of the episodes so people knew that we were coming at it from like not the happiest uh feelings about the season and at some point we did just say we're not going to make another season and folks were like i really would love to hear you talk about it though um and so we took you know all of that feedback and we're like all right and also we have just consistently heard from people who were like, thank you for giving me permission to feel not that great about this season. So if us not loving it isn't for you, you don't need to tell the internet about it. You can just stop listening. That's fine. Um, Because for a lot of people, it's validating. And for a lot of people, they don't care that we don't like it. They still want to hear us talk about it. So you can just see yourself out. You know, it doesn't have to be for you. And if you've made it this far, our... Uh, all of our podcasts are under our production company title, Hashtag Ruthless. So we are we are very upfront with the fact that we are ruthless with our takes about the media that we consume. So yeah. And if you want to hear us talk about other stuff where we don't feel super ambivalent about the content, 
check out our other podcasts. There's a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Just wanted to get that out of the way. That said, we are recording literally two hours (laughs) after the announcement that there will not be a season three of this show. And so we're going to start this episode by talking about that. Yeah, I, you know, I have to say, even with having a lot of mixed feelings about this season, I'm um, still pretty crushed because I feel like if they would have had a season three, they could have fixed what I felt were my issues with season two, which is more wacky, fun hijinks and less intense violence. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And more of our favorite side characters and less of Izzy Hands. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe some maybe someplace like Netflix will pick it up. I don't know, again, how that all works. What is, you know, all going on in the midst of that for these situations. Um, it could be my absolute ne- nemesis, the CEO, the CEO of HBO, who I despise. Yeah. <laughs> But who knows? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting because despite the fact that I think that this season is, like, bad, um, I think I have a lower estimation of it than you do. It performed very well. Like, it has really good reviews. It has, you know, the numbers are good. And so I'm very curious about it not getting renewed. I mean, I really feel like, I guess I'm not super surprised, honestly. I feel like, honestly, it was kind of a miracle that we got season two, which is why I think it's even more upsetting that season two isn't as good as season one. Yeah. And, like, I think for this show, part of it is, like, the budget cuts. It does sound like they maybe found out later in the process that it was going to be a strict half an hour and not, like, potentially being 42 minutes or whatever, however long, you know, the sort of loosey-goosey length of the episodes of season one. And I feel like maybe what got cut slash condensed, it's sort of like, you guys are probably on a time crunch, but I'm like, I really wish you could have made some different choices in that regard. (laughs) Yeah, because I think that the, you know, the Muppetiness of season one is, like, what drew everyone to it. And this just, this is not a, the Muppetiness is gone from this season. Yeah. But interestingly, I think that that's, you know, from the reviews that I've read, which have been almost overwhelmingly good reviews, the more serious tone has been appreciated by people who are in charge of uh, assessing TV. So it's like, I don't know, it'll be interesting over the next like few days to see what we learn about maybe reasoning on max's uh and i mean i'm like i'm gonna call it i suspect a lot of it's just homophobia because again the ceo is basically committed to not to making hbo less diverse in order to appeal to more conservative white people which i'm like that's literally not the hbo brand are you like i know that y'all are struggling after the juggernaut that was game of thrones but like this is not like Having more niche diverse stuff is the way to go and not having less of that, you know? Right. So, and yeah, and I think maybe the only other thing I can think of, which sort of relates to anytime talking about campy movies, which is that people associate camp with being bad as opposed to being like 
don't you want to have media that is fun? <laughs> right. And I feel like people who like season, and not, I'm not saying like hardcore fans, but like people who are casual watchers who are like, hey, I like season two more than like season one is maybe because it's like season one is too campy, potentially. Yeah. Which is just like, we're in a literal pandemic and the world is on fire and we're like on the cusp of World War Three. Like, don't you want to have something that is joyful? <laughs> right. <laughs> like... Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this episode in particular is a really good example of that too because I remember talking in an early episode of season one of the Gay Pirate Podcast about like, there was like a battle, I think, and someone's arm got cut off and it was like the blood spurt situation was very reminiscent of like the night in Monty Python. It just yeah. looks like someone's like squirting ketchup from behind them and how it was like, this is totally fine. Like, this is gory and I am... A-okay. And this episode? No. Even the, like, they're, like, eating a dead bird scene was, like, too gross. Like, a raw bird for anyone who hasn't watched it. Like, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, but it was just, like, extremely gross. It was very it was very unsettling. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, the, just the tone, the tone shift. It's like, what happened? And maybe that's, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just like you have two seasons of a television show and they're like completely different from one another. And so like, yeah, we don't know what you'll do with season three. It's too unpredictable. Yeah. I don't know. What I feel like it often sucks is I feel like for shows that have a lot of seasons, I feel like, like, say, for example, like Buffy season one and two are great. Like season three, four, like, like once they hit their sort of stride into the show, it's like. It's incredible. You know, it's really, really good. Yeah. And I feel like, and maybe this is me again putting too much faith in people that I don't know, but I'm like, season three could have been really good where it's like, well, we learned a lot from season one and season two, and maybe we could have really come out on top. Yeah, I do. I find that the sort of biggest frustration that I feel was that they never wanted more than three seasons. So like, it's like, come on, man, like, what's another $6 million an episode for, like, eight episodes? You're, you know, go, just give them one more. It's, like, not a, it's not, like, a big deal. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure this is still on the cheaper end of any of your, like, fucking, any of the other, like, names, like, big television shows you guys are producing. It's just, like, yeah, it's, like, Cut one CGI dragon from House of the Dragons and you'll probably have enough budget to make, like, season three of this yeah. show. <laughs> like, come on now. Yeah. So. Agreed. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I guess for me, it'll maybe be a, like, man, we it, we could have, we could have had it all. We could have had, it could have been great, you know? Yeah. Okay, well, that said, let's uh, <laughs> let's jump in to talk it through as a crew, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. I agree with you about the gore of this episode. I still feel like the way that this raid goes is, I find it deeply, I just find it like deeply entertaining, where it's like, you know, some champagne, a charcuterie board, like everyone's just eating out of the palm of my hand. And I'm like, you know what? As a strategy, <laughs> this works. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I would love to dig deeper into that, maybe. So the way that Zheng Yi is, is working over Bartholomew is just 
it's incredible. It's like a masterclass in, um, what am I even trying to say? Like the, she just like goes through sort of like every way that women are like given to be able to control a situation. She runs through like all of them in a five minute span and gets exactly what she wants. And it's like really excellent and so much fun to watch. Um, just her like shifting from one into the next and then she like seals the deal by being like oh I mean I couldn't possibly like that's just a silly idea and they're like no 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 what is it just say your idea and you're like oh my god you are incredible you're like so good at this yeah truly a master class of just how to get people to do what you want <laughs> yeah oh she's so great uh oh so my first thing is the part where archie meets steed and it's like wait a second <laughs> that's steed <laughs> it's <just> so funny <laughs> and the fact that she keeps going like i thought you'd be like taller and like muscular and like maybe have like a cool coat or some tattoos and it's like this guy <laughs> yeah she's like wow i Really thought you'd be hotter. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's like Blackbeard set the ocean on fire for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's such a burn. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, Speaking of Steed, my next thing is just the minute he hears that they see the revenge. He's like running up on deck and everyone just like, oh, wow, the ship. And he just, without pause, is just leaping over the side of the deck belly first. And I'm like, that's going to hurt like a motherfucker when you hit the water. (laughs) And you just didn't even stop to think. You're like, I have to go see Ed. And I'm like, oh, Steve. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really precious. Uh, Okay, so in the gravy basket, we have Hornigold, but canonically Benjamin Hornigold. And by canonically, I mean in life. (laughs) Our our canon, the one we live in. Uh Um, but he is like fully Obi-Wan, right? Yeah. Who at the beginning of Star Wars is just old Ben. And the fact that he's like, just Ben, I'm like, this is so silly. I love this. <laughs> and I mean, I think the fact that whatever beach slash cliff situation in New Zealand they're filming at feels like someplace they would have filmed a Star Wars movie. <laughs> I <Yeah>. think only <laughs> yeah. adds to that. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I just, this, the whole scenery of the gravy basket, I'm like, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is great. Speaking of things that are perfect, uh, when they're, like, about to escape and go on their revenge, and Steed's, like, hands Peter crossbow, and it's like, you can do it. Like, you said you have perfect aim. And he's like, and he's like, I never said that, but he's, like, aiming, and it just, like, is a really long pause, and he's like, no, I can't do it is such a good joke. <laughs> it is. Oh, it just it just makes me laugh so much. Yeah, it's really uh, good. And it's nice, I think, that it's Archie who just comes up and is like, give me the fucking crossbow. And you're like, oh, look, you have a character. <laughs> nice to meet you. It's nice to know that there's you have more, more going on here than just sort of like a random love interest for jim yeah i also kind of assume that i'm like 
I would hope if your pirate name is Archie, maybe you were good at archery. I'm just, just, I'm just saying, <laughs> just saying. You think her name is a pun? That's so funny. <laughs> was that not your immediate first thought? Because that was literally no. my immediate first thought when seeing this happen. I'm like, oh, okay. Clearly, you're good at archery. Oh my god. No, that is not my first thought. That's incredible. <laughs> Uh, I mean, she nails it. So I'm like, cool, you are really good with a crossbow. Yeah. And I'm like, why would you need to be good with a crossbow on a pirate? Well, I guess, never mind, that makes sense. If this was a real pirate show, you could have battles where you're not just boarding each other's ship that closely. But right. this is a this is still not real pirates. So <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, my last thing here is that uh auntie in the scene where she's like going through the revenge and like figuring out everything that happened is very like extremely humperdink coded <laughs> like the way it feels like she might as well be being like there was a mighty duo <laughs> um she's like exactly <laughs> i really love it uh I love that whole scene because on top of me being like, okay, you're also clearly a witch, <laughs> is that she mm. accurately picked Fang and Frenchie as the two people who she's like, one of them's going to crack if I just do this little spiel and like make it seem like slash actually figure out what is going on because I am either incredibly observant or a witch or both. And she was mm-hmm. correct because Fang cracks pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to a brigade of imbeciles where we talk about character development. Um, most of the stuff is here about is about Ed. Yeah, let's start with Ed. I feel like my first note is that I don't really find it shocking that in this sort of Ed debating with himself about whether he wants to live or not. Like, the face of that is potentially maybe one of his worst abusers in his life, Captain Hornigo, and maybe also the person that taught him how to pirate, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, we never get us. We never get... It's never really stated when in Ed's life he's on Hornigo's ship, but I feel like the way that him and Jack talk about it makes me think that it happened when Ed was really young, if not one of the first ships that he's on. When he's like mm-hmm. 15 or Agreed. whatever. So we have Ed confronting his worst self, like the worst part of himself. And it's not the Kraken necessarily. It is this metaphor of violent, toxic, masculine pirate shit that he clearly learned how to emulate in order to survive and continue to be his successful pirate self. Right. I don't know. We learn a lot about Ed in this episode. A lot of the season is learning about Ed. But I feel like what we, besides like Ed being like, oh, I guess I do think I'm unlovable and that no one will love me partly because of, I'm not sure what else there is to me besides the Blackbeard violent pirate part of me. Even when he's trying to sort of, explore what it looks like to be like i could be an innkeeper like i don't have to be a pirate like i can just give up this life and her goes all right like let's uh you know <laughs> role play this out <laughs> uh-huh. and like what that's just so good 
It's so <laughs> funny. And also just at the way it's like exactly what playing pretend with me as a child was like where I was like, I have scripted this entire scene. And if any of you go off script, despite my not having told you the script ahead of time, <laughs> I will be correcting you and starting the scene over again so just when he's like you have to ring the bell i was like oh god (laughs) but that makes sense to me considering i feel like this role play is also ed allow himself something that maybe he hasn't felt since he was a child which is like what are what can i possibly be doing with myself you know yeah totally and it's right and it it exists currently only as a fantasy, which I'm sure in his daydreams, right? He probably has a way that it like begins, right? So if it like launches from someone ringing the bell and him turning around, then like he's like, this is this is the way it has to start. Yeah. Get your shit together, man. That's what you do when you get up to a desk and the person <laughs> isn't looking at you. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> uh so I would argue that ringing the bell when the person is right there is <laughs> rude. And you should probably just say, excuse me. Yeah, I I do feel like maybe part of that customer service part of being an innkeeper. I'm like, Ed, maybe that's not really the place for you. But there's definitely all kind of other places of running a, a bed and breakfast that you could be doing. <laughs> for sure. And yeah, I mean, we just kind of go through... Hornigold himself sort of dragging him along the like, well, you're pretty much on the brink of death. And really the only thing that's going to tip the scale is like, are you going to wake up from this pseudo coma or not? Right. And he's like, right. Even like scrambling for like, all right, what are some, what are things to like live for? Well, I think that a lot of this scenes with Ed in the gravy basket, while I still maybe don't quite find it as, Emotional, emotionally resonating as some of the stuff in the first season. I really like that we have this here to like begin to kickstart Ed being like, all right, actually, I don't want to do the Kraken shit really necessarily anymore. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I, so I had some of the stuff that we talked about with, or most of the stuff that we talked about with Zhang Yi earlier um, in this section so I won't rehash it, but I didn't say my note about how much I love it when she is like to Steed, girl, how are you? Oh my you? God, that is like <laughs> one of the, like, that, it may, that may be the best line in this episode. I love the, I love the, the, the Shompers line, but I think girl, how are you? And her, that actress is like. Delivery of that line is like the best line in this entire episode. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> oh, it's just so lovely. Yeah. And like, also like really great to see this badass pirate queen with swords also just still having a sort of, I don't know, I'm... I feel like a lot of the times when you have a like badass lady with swords character, she's usually like a very tomboyish character, a very kind of like rejecting femininity 
in a lot of ways kind of character. And I love that she's not that. <laughs> no, not at all. In a way that is just like deeply refreshing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She is like thrilled to have a ship full of fags. She's like, this is the best. I am having an excellent time. Which is like same. <laughs> Honestly, yes. <laughs> yep. uh, so, yeah. Welcome to Stark Revelations, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Uh, what about Steed would you like to talk about? Uh, Steed, in this episode, literally facing the consequences of his, of his actions. Like, looking it into the face of his traumatized crew and his ruined ship and this, the way that Ed... I mean, really the scene of Steed walking onto the Revenge and it's like empty and there's just like knives stuck everywhere or when he's cleaning up what was formerly his stateroom which is completely empty of all of steed's things and there's just knives so many knives stuck in so many surfaces and just steed having to sort of confront the the pain that he's caused ed and sort of confront that like the sort of mistake he made in assuming ed would be better off without him i think it's really inappropriate to make any claims that any of this is steed's fault i guess i'm not saying that okay you know you're right i guess i do want to say that while a lot of this is not steed's fault he's obviously not responsible for ed's actions i do feel like steed as a catalyst for i don't say like get the ball rolling but just sort of like the sort of spark that sort of I don't know, started a fire that, you know, Steed really couldn't have predicted how that was going to go, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I personally would argue, A, it's Ed's fault. Ed's making his own choices about what he's doing with his life. But if we're, like, putting the blame of what Ed has been doing on any one person sparking something, it's got to be Izzy, because Ed was taking everything he had learned from his time with Steed and like growing and healing even post Steed leaving up until the point that Izzy was like, you're being a sissy fag and you have to stop. But even, even then Ed's choices about what he did after that are Ed's choices. It's not Izzy's fault either, but yeah, I mean, yeah, no one is responsible for how someone acts when you break up with them, ever. That's that's their choices that they're making. Yes, point blank, period. Uh, maybe what I'm trying to say is just, Steed has hurt Ed emotionally. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's more of like getting a, a glimpse into like what that, I don't say like what that has caused, but I guess it's kind of like, I don't know. Have you ever like walked into someone's living space and been like, Oh, you're depressed. <laughs> mm-hmm. You are like seeing a like image on the internet or whatever, where it's just like, oh yeah, that is depression filth. I've definitely lived in depression filth before. I know I- I'm feeling a similar vibe. And I feel like the vibe of the state room when state walks in is like hurt. So much hurt, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And like yeah. looking at that sort of situation and being like, oh, I see this now in a way that I maybe didn't totally put together until like looking at the like dozen knives in the ceiling and Mm -hmm. like the ripped up curtains and the like, 
you know, totally like scorched earth of everything soft and nice and pretty that like has been sort of destroyed. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to say that Ed doesn't have agency in the fact that he fucked up real, like he did all these terrible things. Like he made these choices to do these terrible things. Yeah, if I am hearing you correctly, it's like Steed being sort of greeted with like my assumption that Blackbeard without me would go back to the same Blackbeard because I was like a net negative in his life is incorrect. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Because I guess I, I feel like Steed... It feels like he's had a sort of image or, like, narrative in his brain about, like, what's going on with Ed. And now he is seeing sort of... Like, he's seeing some of the reality of the situation, I guess. Right. And I feel like I know if I were Steed, I would feel an incredible amount of guilt about my... What I would perceive as my actions in sort of... And Ed being in this place. Like, I would feel... I would feel deeply guilty. And I feel like Steed does feel... A lot of feelings about what is happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is normal and also unhealthy. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> I never said it was a, a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to The Art of Fuckery, where we rant about stuff. Um, my only rant is just an appreciation rant about... <laughs> Uh, what a great escape plan Steed comes up with. Very, very like Robin, like cartoon Robin Hood, you know, but like super well thought out, very effective. I don't know where he got the chloroform and I don't want to care. Just I was like, this is this is very impressive. No bloodshed. Excellent work, sir. Yeah, I also appreciated the uh, bloodless escape plan. And how quickly a plan just comes together. So, And also, it was like a little bit goofy, which was nice. It's like, all right, we're going to take these towels and we're going to slide on over to the revenge, even though they're both... Zipline. Even though they're both <laughs> at basically the same level. And I'm like, that's not how that would work with gravity. But I literally don't even care. <laughs> yeah, no, it does, it does not matter. The only... Honestly, I've, I was like, momentum, it'll be fine. The only thing that made me be like, wait a second, was when they send the wheel by itself. <laughs> I was like, that, that one's going to stop midway. <laughs> like, the next person's just going to slam into it. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that was, that was uh, also a highlight of this episode. For me. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so my rant here is that, so this is the episode where Olawande and Jim are reunited and it feels so good. Except it could feel better. <laughs> it could feel so much better. It could feel so much better. Um, because the vibe of the app is very much like, really glad my good bro, my dear friend Jim is back. And I'm like, <sighs> but I was really here for this like trans mask, mask like relationship between two people of color which you like don't ever really see and especially not in a genre show like a silly gay pirate show and I'm like and I'm not even saying that like I'm not mad that it's like you know if Olawande and Jim are in a pilot relationship I'm here for it I'm not again 
all love triangles should just if in fiction should just become poly relationships because that's probably what's going on anyway. Or if not, the fan mm-hmm. fiction will write it. But it just that's really not the vibe we're getting here. And I honestly gotta say, just because of the short screen time we get with Olawande and Jim together, like the short, like the the vibe of the season doesn't doesn't give us that either. And I'm just it makes me deeply upset <laughs> as someone who is just like really excited about seeing them together as a couple. Yeah, same. Yeah, I personally am like pretty devastated about it. I would again, right, same, would not mind at all if Archie joined their relationship or if Archie and Zheng Yi joined their relationship. Like that's all great. fine right. with me. Yeah, exactly. But like, if that's not what's going to happen, I would rather just have Jim and Olawande continue being together. Yes. You know, and not have had any of the, I guess not have had any of the Archie stuff. And then I guess, I don't, I guess we needed the Zhang Yi Olawande stuff in theory for like where this season has gone so far. But I don't know. Yeah, I just find it like really sad i'm like why did you take this away from us i know i know i'm like i just want some like gay trans mask representation is that so i'm <laughs> just like it's so right. hard and it's and like the arkans in season one is just so cute and you're just like rooting for them so hard and i'm like i know that this has been a traumatic season for jim but i'm still just kind of like it like it wounds me <laughs> honestly so yeah same yeah i'm just I'm like not here for it. No, nope, me either. <laughs> Welcome to And They Were Co-Captains, where we talk about sexy stuff. Uh, you know, two two out of the four reasons that Ed is like, what is worth living in my life is like he's like intercourse and orgasms. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh Ed. I don't know. It's like it's just like very cute. And I'm like, oh. Honestly, yeah, good food and orgasms. I was like, that's a legit list, you know? I mean, I feel like as someone who enjoys sex, I feel like sex is definitely in the like top five, top three, like most fun activities that I do with my physical body. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. and eating definitely like also one of the best things. I'm just like eating a good meal, like having a like satisfying orgasm, like great. Those things are great. Like, yeah. nothing makes me feel more like, I'm glad that I have a, a physical body. Because <laughs> most things make me not right, glad totally. to have a physical body. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, and being and being yep. warm. Oh, Jesus. Listen, I live in the Midwest. It is cold most of the year. So, being warm is real great. Yeah. Welcome to The Crystals Attract Demons, where we talk about science and history and stuff. I weirdly have a couple, like, two big, not big, long-ish things to read. Yes! <laughs> I think I was just desperate for things to take notes about. Um, I know, I know, everyone was like, what's that pig doing in the gravy basket? What, what does it mean when a pig is in your dream? Surely everyone wants to know what pigs represent in dreams, right? I do, actually. Great, because I looked it up. I, ooh, what website did I get this from? 
dreamdictionary.com, maybe? Uh, So there were many, there are always many interpretations of what a thing can mean in your dream. But the one that seemed to make the most sense for Ed in this situation is that pigs want you to explore your masked vices and bad habits that might be impacting your life. Essentially, the pig reflects the excessive behaviors that you indulge in that are not under control. Materialism, sex, gambling, drugs, health issues, to name a few. These vices are masked and are masked are a masked attempt surely these vices are a masked <laughs> attempt to soothe unresolved past conflict and emotional trauma that's real great that's very that's checks very out spot right? on. it really checks out <laughs> um what is your first thing here just a sort of obvious uh when steed is going to 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 drug the guards and the one lady's like, what is that smell? And he's like, chamomile. And it's like, chamomile doesn't make you, doesn't knock you out. Uh, and it's clearly supposed to be chloroform or ether or whatever intense alcohol-like kerosene is. I don't know. Something something that has a lot of fumes that will knock you out. Chamomile is not one of them. I wish it was. <laughs> I assumed that it was a joke because it's chloroform and he's like, it's chamomile. Yeah. Which vaguely sound the same. But if there is something that would actually be on a pirate ship that would knock someone out, probably that's not going to be chloroform. <laughs> it's probably going to be ether, but I guess, I don't know. I was I only did a little bit of research, but I mean, if it's a alcohol or a chemical with enough fumes, like it could knock you out. Yeah, but that fast? It doesn't matter. Yeah. That's like TV hand-wavingness about the quickness of that. So. Yeah. All right, my next thing is about the pirate captain of the ship that they take at the beginning of the episode, John Bartholomew. Um, he real person, real person. All uh, right, John Bartholomew Roberts, uh, the inspiration for the Dread Pirate Roberts from The Princess Bride. A uh, very, very prolific pirate captain. He captured something like four hundred and seventy ships. Holy in shit. his time pirating um i he, honestly he's pretty fascinating i think i really enjoyed reading his wikipedia article um he became a pirate because he was in the british navy and was making four pounds a month which the wikipedia article says that in 2021 money was like 860 pounds a month so like shit And in a, like, capitalism has never worked statement, he said, In honest service, there is thin commons, low wages, and hard labor. In this, being piracy, plenty and How do you say that? Satiety? Satiety? You're asking the wrong person how to pronounce a thing. Satiety. Whatever. Enough. Uh, Pleasure and ease, liberty and power. And who would not balance creditor on this side when all the hazard that is run for it, at worst, it's only a sour look or two at choking. No, a merry life and a short one shall be my motto. That's the best YOLO I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Honestly. A merry life and a short one. And then his uh, pirate code, like how he ran his ship really in fitting with that sort of anti-capitalist critique was like very socialist in a lot of ways there's a lot of like if you break the rules we'll kill you it's a pirate ship but um it includes 
Every man has a vote in affairs of the moment, has equal title to the fresh provisions, strong and strong liquors at any time that we have them and may use them at pleasure unless scarcity makes it a necessity for the good of all to vote for retrenchment. Um, everybody gets like equal access to the things that they take, although there's some like hierarchy of who gets what like the captain gets twice as much not actually it's like one and three quarters as much as everyone else that's less than every ceo of every u.s company (laughs) i know i know (laughs) and what is the other one that i really liked oh that musicians had the sabbath off because apparently on pirate ships it was like common for musicians to have to like perform whenever someone called for them (laughs) and so on his ship they got uh, i guess either saturday or sunday off um to rest because it was important that they be healthy you know that sounds like the future liberals no that's that's the future (laughs) leftists want was to just gay party like gay socialist party ship Uh uh-huh i will go right now I I get real emotion sick. I would also go literally right. right. Now. <laughs> I'm like, let's just steal a like pallet of Jemamine. Like I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Welcome to Petrified Orange, where we talk about our new favorite things. What is your new favorite thing this episode? Um, this is a little bit sad, but I love how Ed remembers the name of a guy who he met conceivably 30 years ago who was murdered in a terrible way by Hornigold. And I'm like, oh, Ed. Yeah. Um, my new favorite thing is, and honestly, this is granted, I still have not watched the last three episodes. (laughs) So far, maybe my favorite thing of the season is Mermaid Steed. Oh my god, how do we not talk about Mermaid Steed? <laughs> Shit! Well, let's talk about it now. I didn't copy and paste it into my notes. It's so cheesy, but I love it so much. I honestly, I think it was, because I watched the first three episodes, they all dropped together. I think it was the only time in all three episodes that I was, like, thrilled, you know? I was like, I am so happy that this is happening right now. Like, this is so silly and joyful and good the fact that people on the internet were like "Ugh, that was so cringy i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you no that was delightful (laughs) i think i maybe found it a little bit cheesy in my first watch but now i'm like no this is great this is a bright spot yes put reese darby in a glittery mermaid tail in this like tank of water yes i'm here for (laughs) yeah and isn't uh, like smothered by mermaids or something one of the ways that ed says that he's gonna die in the last season and yeah. then he gets rescued by mermaid steed it's beautiful he says massage to death by mermaids which honestly sounds sexy slash yeah. sexual yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah no having steed uh rescue ed from the gravy basket by showing up as a mermaid with a trident at first yes just (sighs) it's beautiful cool all right we did it we did it all right thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the gay pirate podcast don't forget we make a bunch of other podcasts and you should check them out 
Everything is in the show notes for that, for our Patreon, for our website, for all of the social media, all of the one social media that we're still <laughs> on. Um, yeah, if if you uh, like this show and want to continue to hear us gleefully talk about things, since this will be the only season of the Gay Pirate Podcast, you should definitely start checking out our other shows and see if any of the things click. We're uh, doing a Star Trek trial run over on the Gaily Planet, so if you like nerds in space which you probably do (laughs) you should go listen to that yeah you should yeah so that said until next time farewell bonnets playthings (laughs) 